Have you got, the, have you got this now? Yes, I'm staring at it's it. Good. It's no hurry. No worry. No curry, yeah? All right, go. No worry. No curry. No. Oh. Curry, you know, as in curry. You make food. Curry. Ah, yeah, 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 curry. <laughs> <laughs> no hurry, no worry, no curry. No hurry, no worry, no curry. <laughs> no hurry, no worry, no curry. to our third podcast of No Hurry, No Worry, No Curry. And um, as you all know, it's a podcast that's exploring food, healthy living and consciousness. With me today is none other than Pav and Trishar. Now, Ramina, hello. Hi, Pav. Hi. Hello. Now, we talked a lot about blenders and smoothies and how you can have more healthy sort of drinks and so on in the last episode. And Pav, you talked about this killer line in that first episode about sugar being white poison. White poison. Now... A lot of this seems to come down to how you're really able to manage the urges that you have in terms of different mm, types of food you want true. to eat. So, you know, people who, you know, have cravings for sugar, things like chocolate, or people who really like cheese or bread. Now, of course, there are lots of all sorts of diets about, you know, that people can try and so on. But it all seems to come down to cravings. Yeah, you're very true. I think cravings are what's behind it. I've kind of contemplated why I go for a certain food substance as opposed to a healthy food substance. And I think cravings is what it's all about. And I've been thinking, why why do we crave things? And I mm. think, um, you know, I think it's just life. The answer to that question is life. We crave these foods because of life. And I think the life that we live these days is just fast-paced, full of this, full of that, non-stop, pressure, pressure, pressure. Constant rat race. Exactly. And I think that is the root cause of why I diet, which is easy. I can open the fridge door, look at a nice green leaf salad, but I'd go for like peanut butter on bread with jam and all that stuff because of what craving and what's behind the craving. I wonder, I asked Ramina as a nutritionist, what do you think? So, I mean, craving is, is something that actually triggers uh, a part of region in our brain that suddenly is craving sugars, starches, and refined white flour, etc., etc. But uh, for me, I think there's three aspects or three layers to this craving. Mm. Obviously, the first one is is the diet. You know, the kinds of food you eat, the patterns of food, um, the combinations of food you eat create or diminish the cravings that we So when you say diet, you're meaning about... We're not understanding what we're putting into our bodies. The diet meaning we're taking sugar, or we should be taking alternative things. Exactly. So, Having okay. a balanced, healthy so, understanding diet. Understanding the diet. Yeah, understanding um, the diet. So, um, for example, we have this, uh, this myth that, um, you know, we want short-term uh, diets to have long-term good mm. results. But actually, unless you have something that's sustainable, you know, your diet's going to keep, you know... In a lifestyle create, change. Yeah, really. exactly, exactly. So that's the first level of of the cravings that we're tackling here. Mm. Let's get down to the basics, the diet. Now, the second layer is the biochemical processes that go on in our bodies that create these addictive behaviors in us. Yeah, I think you're right. This thing about what I said about life being the cause of it. I Mm. think when I was doing some reading, uh, we're all in a very, not all, but, you know, the society is quite depressed state, quite a stressed state. When you haven't rested well, when you haven't eaten well, uh, when you're stressed, 
could be late for work, stuck in traffic, deadlines, relationships. It increases, I think, a level uh, of cortisol, which is a, a hormone. That yeah, like a body. stress hormone, yes. And that, I've heard, then leads our body to then crave carbohydrates. Definitely. I mean, not only carbohydrates, but it's, it just starts to stock all the fats in your body because it's waiting for that fight or flight response in you. And so that biochemical process, which is the second aspect, I'm hoping we can look at that maybe in the next episode. Yeah. But the third level, which is what you're talking about, all about life. Yeah. That, I think, is going to be the heart of us actually getting down to the roots of what causes these triggers in us to crave chocolates, cheese, sugar, etc., etc. I, I believe that, totally, because I think um, when I was uh, thinking about making a change for my diet, I really had to go inside myself and mm. understand why am I doing it. So I had to really go deep in myself, look at myself as a, a spiritual being, and say, how am I going to do this? It had to be something... Spiritual it w- being? Yeah, because it, I mean, it sounds a bit kind of uh, spaceman, space cadet kind of language, but... You know, I, I, I read magazines, I read all these health benefits, but I didn't want to, I didn't change, I couldn't change. Mm. It's only when I internally went deep and thought, why am I doing this? What do I want to achieve? When I allied my fe- feelings of what I want to achieve, mm. and I believed it to my core, then it became easier. I started to, when you mentioned diet, pick the right things, eat the celery sticks with the cottage cheese with a carrot at night time, you know, uh, cut out the not so helpful carbohydrates. My best friend Ben, Jerry, they <laughs> so you know all the right kind of carbs came out. Yeah. So I think there is that. I think the spiritual level, the understanding is very important. So the psychology behind our minds and why do we actually crave these? Is it some kind of void inside us? Is it some sort of something else we're trying to fill in with the food or the cravings? And I think that will be a very interesting dimension to look at the psychological and maybe yeah. spiritual dimension, as you said. Hey, Romina, didn't you go to a festival with about craving and stuff? I did, actually. I went with Trushar. Well, this is the Science Museum, actually. Um, they were running a special exhibit just on cravings and the science and the biology behind cravings. Wow, interesting. Um, it was actually really interesting, and um, we recorded a little uh, item while we were there just to talk a bit more about it. Mm. Cravings exhibition at yes. the Science Museum in London. Yeah, really interesting. Like a lot of fun. We have uh, food everywhere around us. Now, I'm going to talk about this exhibit, which we're standing right in front of at the moment, um, which is all about the gut. Um, I have to say one thing. I was top little uh, bit of information. I was really surprised about um, earlier on, which is that your taste buds are created from the womb onwards. Yes, that was quite an interesting thing that I didn't know about either. But it sort of makes sense because that's probably why we love our mother's cooking so much. Yeah, yeah. Whatever she eats sort of develops within the genes and the genetic makeup of the child, which is quite interesting. How? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're at the, in front of this exhibit, which is all about. It says two brains are telling you something. What are these two brains then? So um, everybody knows about our grey cells, our head, which is where all our brain is located. And then we have a second brain, which is the gut brain. So um, even though it's not a thinking brain, it's a brain that sends messages out to our head brain. So, and, and that has an impact in terms of the type of food you're eating and the type of bacteria it has? Definitely. I mean, it's it's all connected to um, while you're chewing your food and you're eating. There are messages that or signals that are sent from your gut to your head to tell you if you're hungry, if you're full, uh, if you have any sort of cravings for a specific food. And all that actually happens. It's, it's sort of a communication between our two brains. It's like the clearest 
sort of explanation I've seen so far of how what you eat has a direct impact on your thinking and your state of awareness. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's unbelievable how we um, haven't given that importance to our gut. So yes, that was a really interesting crash course in understanding cravings. Is there any any type of cravings you have currently? Um, well, actually, I'm not quite sure if it's a craving or if it's just the food that I particularly like. So mm-hmm. in the morning, I feel like I always need to have bread or toast. Um, okay. And if I don't have toast in the morning, I sort of almost have withdrawal symptoms. Don't feel fulfilled. I don't quite feel like the day has started properly. Um, I don't know if that's I'd a craving say, or is that just... I'd say that's a condition. A craving would be like today... I think I've still got like a caffeine craving. So right. I went to Sainsbury's to pick up the pint of milk and the yeah. loaf of bread as you usually do. And there's a Costa coffee around the corner. Mm. And I just thought, I've got enough time to walk to Costa, pick a coffee up, walk back to the car. So I went there, had a triple macchiato, beautiful, <laughs> came back. That's a craving. Okay. I think yours is more exactly. conditioning. Right. Exactly. Okay. I mean, it's, it's different to say I'm used to eating toast in the morning. Yeah. And it's different to say that actually I really feel I have an urge to have that coffee. Okay. Because yeah. that's what I'm craving at the moment. That's what my emotion, my brain is telling me. What about you guys then? But mine was the caffeine one. What about you, Ramin? Any craving? Um, well, I definitely say sugar is a very big one for me. Yeah. Or rather chocolate. My good old friend. Okay. Um, but I think I've, I've changed that with a few dietary changes that I've made. But I used to have very, very bad urges of, of eating chocolate. And I think a lot of people can tell you that for me, after every meal, I needed to have some type of chocolate in my diet. In- There's actually new research. You know when you say like uh, sugar uh, is an addictive mm. uh, or a you know, thing that we crave? What they found, a lot of food that has sugar also has high fat. And now they're find, finding it's a combination of a craving for sugar and fat. That's very yeah, true. Yeah, it's quite new, but uh, that's quite interesting. That sounds like a lethal combination. Uh, I think it very is. Very lethal. I mean, what happens usually with the, the combination of sugar and fat is that um, your body's used to storing that immediately. Mm. Like even sugar, glycogen is, is stored into fat in your body. So there are two things for your, your you know, body to want to crave so that you can store it for future use. So what can we do about this then? So I think the one thing you mentioned was uh, your toast in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's the first thing I found is conditioning is quite important. Yeah. We learn a lot of uh, things in life with condition. Like in the morning, you have a, uh, a condition to have toast. At work, at about 11 o'clock, I, f- I feel like having a coffee. I have a bit of a break. And it's a, it's a learned thing. Yeah. And a famous example of that is, you may have heard of Pavlov's dogs. Basically, uh, an Eastern European scientist who did an experiment with some dogs. And what he would do, he would ring a bell and he'd give the dogs a meal. And he'd do that. Ring a bell, meal. Ring a bell, meal. Ring a bell. He did it enough times. Then one time he rang the bell. And he didn't produce the meal for the dogs. But the dogs still salivated. They still expected that food. Mm. And that became the learnt condition. Right. And I think that's what we do sometimes. So, say, for me, uh, Friday night's movie night. So, Friday night I have a movie. And for some reason I have pizza with my movie. And that's become a condition. If I don't have a pizza with my movie, then it doesn't feel quite right. Like, you don't feel quite right with your toast in the morning. Well, it's just not right, is it? Yeah, well, pizza <laughs> Yeah, so that's kind of a conditioned thing. So it's very important in our life that we find these areas where we get conditioned at work, at home, in the morning. And if we can understand that, and then we can then start substituting that by being clever. Exactly, but conditioning doesn't always have to be something negative. So maybe you are conditioned or you're used to eating that toast in the morning, but maybe all you want to do is just substitute the type of flour you use in the bread. Right. So instead of having the white bread, which is the carbs and the sugars, etc., you switch it to a whole meal version of that bread. So I could change my desire for food through conditioning. Is that sort of what you're saying? What I'm saying is that the, the conditioning is there, 
but you have to be clever. So right. be clever, clever with your carbs. So if you like that setup in the morning, having a toast and a, and a coffee, yeah. then have a whole grain toast or something that's healthier. Yeah. So with me, my Thursday, my pizza's not going because yeah. filming a pizza isn't done. What I will do, I'll probably make my pizza on, say, a brown flatbread uh, with roasted vegetables, with low-fat vegan cheese, something like that. So I've still got that feeling that it's still... So it's being clever right. with that uh, condition. Okay. Um, and sometimes you think, okay, we've got this condition uh, at work, I've had a little bit peckish, you know, keep a banana in your bag. Keep an apple in your desk. But, you know, be careful with a <laughs> yeah. you know, solution. So what he's saying is that snacking is not actually a bad idea. Right. So the myth that we shouldn't be eating between meals is actually wrong. You should be listening to your body. But as he, as Pav was saying, it's about putting the right types of foods into that diet or into the snack. So, so you're saying it's not a problem to eat more than three times a day? It's actually a lot of different studies and researches prove that eating frequent meals in, in, a, in a day is actually much better for your digestive so health. Frequent but fewer portions. Yeah. Exactly. That's right. a caveat. You, you know, not to eat, <laughs> not, not to eat more not meals. Frequent, massive meals. <laughs> yeah, not yeah. bigger portions. Uh, yeah. So, so I think, going back to your dogs, uh, or to the Pavlov's dogs. <laughs> My dogs, um, Pavlov's dogs, yeah. So how do you think we can change this conditioning? I mean, you were talking a little bit before to me about um, finding a way to change our habits. Yeah, I think it's basically... Uh, you have to, this is what I talked about earlier in the introduction about looking into yourself. You've got to be clever. You've got to be like a detective, like Sherlock Holmes. You know, when does it happen? Why does it happen? So like you said, it happens in the morning to you at work. It happens to me at 11 o'clock at work. I want a coffee. So you've got to be clever. You've got to investigate why is it happening. Find the trigger. Is it because you're tired? Is it because you're in the morning? Once you find the, the trigger for that kind of uh, condition then you could be clever. They say, okay, I found the condition, I know the, the what and the when, but why? Why do I do it and how can I change it? So it's being more productive and clever by saying, this is what happens, I'm not going to change it, it's too difficult, but I will substitute it with something healthier. And that's where the work comes in, to find out what suits you and what works better mm-hmm. and what will make... And you can't have... Say, if you're not a great vegetable lover, you can't have a, a carrot instead of a bun. It's not going to make something. Mm. So have a healthier type of sweet snack. Yeah. yeah. So be clever with it, but also quite inventive. And, but can you move to the further and actually change what you really like? So, for example, could I get to a point where in the morning, at the moment, I really like having toast and I would struggle not to have toast. Could I get to a point where I have the same feeling for, say, porridge? Absolutely. Instead of toast? Absolutely. Yeah. Because I'd be the same. When I went on my uh, big spree to change my uh, dietary habits, uh, that was it. I used to have porridge in the morning. I never used to have it before, but mm. I think this is good for me. I'd made that change. I understood what I need to do and introduced the right thing. And you do it long enough and you create that habit. Um, and A lot of people say it takes 21 days, but you know, a few other people would say that it takes that, less than 21 days. Yeah, that 21 days. Change a habit. That so this, 21 days is a myth. This, this, you've heard of life hacking, so this sounds a bit like food hacking in terms of changing the way you eat, but with specific types of sort of con- conditional behaviors in it. Yeah, I mean, that's where meditation comes in as well. So when Pav said early on in our episode that um, one way to get the clarity on understanding what is it that I need to do, what are my triggers. Actually, meditation is a great tool Mm. to uh, get that clarity into it. So it is reflection. I think it's not like, you know, I think diets and fads, we'll talk more about dietary Mm. habits and diets later on, but I think this is the whole essence of why fad diets don't work because people look at the magazines, read the story, listen to a mate or a friend, and it it all will do it. It doesn't work 
because that's the deeper work. If you understand what you're doing, why you're doing and how you can change it and being clever with it, I think you'll get better results. Definitely. I so, agree with you on so that. So what, what thoughts do you need to have? What's the first thought you need to have to, to well, do this? F- well, for me, it was a determined thought and I had to understand what it was doing for me. So it was working on myself. So I think it's really having a deeper reflection. I think it's, it's something where you, you have to really want it, hmm. that change. You have to really, from the, the depth of your heart, you want to make that change. Mm-hmm. You, have, you need that determined thought, as Pav was saying, to actually want to make that change. Once you put that thought into action, that's when the mechanisms start. But right. it's that thought first that triggers the action. And for me, like, for example, I was, um, I was, I was feeling very overweight. And I just had a realization that I know being overweight will reduce my life expectancy and my efficiency at work. And generally, I was feeling lethargic and tired. Mm. I thought, well, you know what? I don't want to be like this. And that was it. From that day on, I thought I want to change. And the next day, I was right on it. And, and I think it's, yeah. it's, again, comes down to, you know, if, if, you're, if it makes you so unhappy that you're willing to make the change, mm. is it causing you more pain or more pleasure? And I think that's when the balance tips off is when you actually make that change. Mm. When you're at one level of that balance where you just can't take it anymore, I think that's when that determined mm. thought comes into play. So is it, would it be fair to say that when you're feeling good about yourself, you're more likely to be able to make that physical transition as well then? Or is it the other way around? I think it's the other way around. I think right. it's almost like a self-fulfilling pro- uh, prophecy. The, the thoughts I was having was I wasn't very happy with myself and I wanted to change. And it was that not being satisfied with the way I was and not knowing the benefits. That's what drove me to the change. Once that change was established and I was doing it regularly, then I started feeling the benefits. Then it became easier. I was happier. I was more relaxed. I had better mm-hmm. energy. I thought, this is working. This is great. I'm going to carry it on. It was easier. But it was. It does require reflecting a lot and and, and yeah, a little yeah. bit of, of clarity. And I think that does come when you've cleared out your mind, mm. you've sort of uh, seen things from a, a higher perspective, and uh, you're not completely involved or self-engrossed in what mm. you're doing. You actually try and take a step back and see well what's working, what's not working. Why do you want to make these changes? And I think that's where meditation helps a lot. Yeah, it's like these athletes and these kind of sprinters, they always almost meditate at that moment when Usain Bolt looks down that track. Mm. He sees himself crossing the line with a world record, with a gold medal. It's almost like a meditative state. He's actually, you know, fulfilling. He's actually visualizing. Mm, exactly. He's already visualized that success. Right. So you need to see beforehand what does success or what, yeah. does, what, what, is it, what does it look like? Yeah. So what sort of meditation works? For, is, is it just like a generic thing or is it, do you have a particular process you use well, for we, this, we have one, this sort of transition? Well, we have one technique of uh, meditation commentary um, and, uh, and then you can tell us what you think about it. I sit comfortably and let myself relax. Taking a few deep breaths in and out for a few moments.
I start to let go of the outside world and tune in with my inner world. In this inner space, I can choose to be with myself and start to observe. What are the sensations I'm feeling in my body? Do I notice my cravings calling? I observe the sensations. Now I start to observe my feelings. What emotions am I feeling? Cravings can also have emotions underpinning them. Am I feeling energized or heavy? sad or excited. I start to observe my thoughts now. What is happening in my mind? What are my cravings telling me? What would happen if I act on them? What will I think and feel after I've acted on them? I take one more deep breath. I imagine how I would feel if I didn't act on my emotions. What options are available to me? How would I wish to be? With as little judgment as possible on myself, I perceive what's important to me. I realize that what's important to me are qualities that are here to stay. I think of one quality that I want to focus on right now. It can be peace, love, or happiness, or any other feeling I am most aligned to. And if for a few moments I hold on to that thought, 
I visualise what it would feel like and I experience feeling free. Om Shanti. That's how I would uh, meditate, and I hope you found it very useful. That's really nice. So uh, we spoke a lot about uh, cravings this time, as well as the whole conditioning and um, you know the different ideas behind what creates a habit for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the next show, we're really looking forward to touch upon more the physiological reactions to cravings, as well as the emotional triggers that uh, create the cravings. That's quite a big topic, and it'd be good to discuss that more in the next episode. Yes, definitely. I think it'll be very interesting to uh, look at the emotional side of, of things as well. Can't wait. Sounds so, good. Yeah. yeah. Same here. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to us. Thank you. Uh, do follow follow us on for the next episode. And if you have any feedback, any ideas, any cool recipes you'd like to share with us, please email us at no hurry, no worry, no curry at gmail.com. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye.